Okay, let's start with a question. How many of us went to business school when we started up in business? I expect there won't be a particularly large show of hands. No, and that's because most of us decided to go into business just doing something that we love or maybe something that we're really good at doing. It's usually a little way down the line that we start to reflect on not actually gaining a grounding in the useful things like sales, marketing, finance and operations. Yeah, and that's when it all starts to feel, well, a bit difficult. I'm Nikki. I've been running businesses since 2004 and I'm the founder of The Growth Community, which is a place where businesses come to network and support each other's business success. And I'm James and I started my business back in 2020, helping businesses, brands and organisations to unlock the power of podcasting, basically using audio as a way to market and grow their business. Well, in our line of work, we both meet a lot of businesses and we're constantly learning new things from being around them. Every day literally is a business school day. So we thought, why not grab some of this good stuff and turn it into a podcast? So please take your seats. Class is about to start. Ah, hello class, welcome back. Uh, We have a bit of a treat for you today. We have two guests joining Nikki and I. Let's get them to introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Lisa Betsworth. My business is Slice Solutions. And I suppose really we cover everything people related. And I'm Kat Derbyshire. My business is Black Cat HR based in Barnsley. And I'm a HR consultant and mentor. So I help businesses with all things employment law. Okay, so we've got we've got people, we've got HR, we've got employment law going on there. There are clues, clues clues as to what we're discussing today. Indeed. So we we kind of ended up with this hypothetical Steve, haven't we? Steve is this business owner who is uh, trundling his way through being a business owner, which we all know. None of us went to business school, so we haven't got a clue what we're doing. But Steve has now reached the heady heights of wanting to take on a member of staff. So <laughs> we thought, let's bring in some people who know all about this to tell us to help. Well, to help Steve really with making this decision because making a decision to take on a member of staff is is quite a big one isn't it absolutely i mean from our perspective one of the areas of the business that we cover is recruitment and we see this a lot we get approached by um clients that are generally at a point where they may be the only people in the business they're yep. doing everything themselves they're the marketeer the accountant you name it um and it's just got to the point where it's too much and i think the first thing you've kind of got to look at is right Am I working effectively? Am I maxing out my time? And if the answer to both of those is yes, then yeah, it's worth looking at right now. It's time to bring somebody in. Some some people really want to do it, don't they? Some people kind of start a business with the intention of that that you know uh, that, that goal of taking on first member of staff, second member of staff. Other people, it's slightly more grudgingly, like yeah. they they just wanted to do something they enjoy doing, and it became a business. And now they're like, oh heck, probably going to have to take on a member of of staff. Perhaps this is maybe more useful for those people. I think someone that wants to do it is probably a little bit more proactive and kind of knows a little bit more about kind of the stuff that's involved. But for someone that maybe is a bit like, you know, kicking and screaming, going to have to do this. How difficult is it? Because it, it, it's something that I, I don't have any staff and I kind of look at it and think, mm, it seems like there's quite a lot of moving parts going on there. It's a bit complicated. Mm, yeah. Uh, what shall I do? I'll just brush it under the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> that's the solution. Maybe I am Steve. Yeah. Maybe Steve. Maybe that's why I came up with this character. <laughs> Secretly, Steve is me. Um, so, yeah. I mean, is it is it mega complicated? Um, 
without wanting to sound like I'm doing myself a misservice <laughs> no it really isn't and it's a process and I think as long as you stick to a certain key points within that process it can be as easy or as difficult as you want it to be it's never you know what it's never going to be super easy I don't want to sit there and say yeah recruitment's a dream and it's changed vastly over the years that I've been sort of working in that industry I can remember a time when you'd press hit on an advert for say an administrator which was a pretty sort of generalist role you'd almost hold your breath and sit and go okay wait for it because you just knew you were getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications and there's times where we'd had to turn adverts off because the response rate was just ridiculous those days are gone um you know the response rate now is definitely not what it used to be and i think if you are honest enough and you're looking and you've probably got 10 15 solid candidates from an advert now to pick from you've done exceptionally well um so it's tricky from that perspective but i think if you go through the process that you should do and i'm really fortunate i was taught to recruit by somebody who was absolutely phenomenal and the way in which she taught me is the way i operate now it hasn't deviated even though over the years sort of text played a massive part in recruitment and there's a lot of services and systems and all sorts of things out there that in theory, make your life easier. But I think if you stay true to the original dark art, as it's sometimes called of recruitment, you can never really go too far wrong. So for most businesses then, particularly small businesses, what is their first recruit is because that's quite a big thing isn't it because i think sometimes you can go oh i've got loads of admin i need to have an administrator but actually that probably isn't your first recruit it's probably somebody that's going to help you grow the business rather than someone who's just going to support it but i suppose it depends on the business Hmm. i'd say 100 it depends on the business and i also think it depends on the owner i think it depends you know if you're at a point where right there is not enough hours in the day the first thing you need to start doing and i guess this is where hr really comes in is the first thing you need to start doing is being really honest with yourself saying right where do i need to spend my time what is most beneficial for me to be doing and the stuff that isn't beneficial for you to be doing that's when you need to bring support in so you've gone past i'm assuming steve at this point has gone past the point of outsourcing it's now too big for that so now it's a case of right let's look at what i need to do and you might have somebody who And I know I've got a client who is a bit of an introvert and he is absolutely brilliant at what he does. He's at a point now where he wants to scale up further, but by his own admission, his growth has been by accident rather than design. And the thought of him actually going out and doing the business development and doing the network strikes the fear of God into him. So yeah, absolutely. The best thing for him to do would be to bring somebody in to do that. Within my business... I much prefer doing the business development side of things rather than being at my desk sourcing through CVs and looking at everything else. So for me, the right thing to do when I started growing was to bring somebody in to do the office support. So I think it depends on the business and on the business owner. What's been your experience? Is it does it is there is there a pattern or is it just really random? I think the thing is, often, particularly when I speak to clients, they've got to that point where there's too much stuff to do. And in reality, all they know is I'm too busy and I need another pair of hands, which is great. That's the trigger. But the reality is the next step is, well, actually, you know, what is that thing you want someone to do? Because I'm sure as Lisa will know better than all of us, you can't really go out there and say, I want someone to do things and stuff because yeah. <laughs> those people don't. You can, but you probably won't do very well. well. 
<laughs> yeah, you won't find that person. Yeah. So it's getting really clear on what is the help and then creating a, a job description, something tangible that you can go out with and actually say, this is what I need for my business. This is what my business does. This is the person I need and actually recruit on that basis. It's not, you know, I'm too busy. I need a person. Yeah. I think that's the important bit. And I, yeah, and I think that might, I think I'm guessing that's probably quite a big pitfall for a lot of businesses. Definitely. Particularly mm. the ones that try and recruit themselves. You know, they've tried, they've not found that person, but actually when you strip it back, they've gone out there and looked for someone to do things and stuff. They haven't been clear what is that person. Although administrator does tend to be a, a popular first choice for lots of businesses I work with, mm. but not the only answer. No. but again I think lots of things like you say the term administrator nowadays is so vast I mean we get it all the time I need an administrator and then when we start to drill down on right exactly like you said yeah. what exactly do you want this administrator to do it's a generalized term and actually what this individual wants is somebody to do work in purchase ledger or they want somebody to work in credit control but they just term it like you say didn't go to business school as i need an administrator and i think again on attracting candidates that's where a lot of people go wrong in the the title and i hear it all too often with clients you know oh we don't we're not bothered about titles here they can call themselves what they want and that's fine internally as a culture thing but when you are going out to market and looking for somebody it is of massive importance what you are putting out there because like kat said that is what people are going to look for and if you are a credit controller you're probably not going to look at adverts that say administrator Mm. so it's making sure that you're getting everything geared and you've got to be crystal clear with from the outset what it is you're looking for and i suppose that comes back to the whole tech conversation as well because computers are very black and white they yep. search for mm-hmm. exact words and so if you're not putting those exact words out there you might not even get your your advert seen anyway correct yeah so um so uh, what would you say the main pitfalls are at this point i mean is it better that you have created an organizational structure for your business in order to be able to do this or is that not essential do you do you need to have that in place i would say no not Mm, that very first employee stage um i think it's good to have further down the line but at the beginning when it's your first employee it really is what is the help that you need but i think some of the really important watch outs are what actually um is it going to be that person comes in to do and what other costs might be associated as well as the salary bill so providing a phone providing a laptop whatever it is a car maybe whatever the job is is going to have other things that cost money that that person is going to need so i guess it's when they're trying to work out what is this bill that comes with this person they need to be thinking about more than just the salary yeah and i suppose there's all things like national insurance and pension yeah. contributions and all that kind of stuff as well isn't there Absolutely. it's quite a big it's quite Absolutely. a big list actually isn't it yes and i think as well from a attraction perspective and we're going through this with a client at the moment we have asked him to really consider what he wants from that individual because there's certain roles particularly if you're looking down the sales or the business development route that if you want somebody in that really knows their stuff that is going to come in hit the ground running and make an impact on that business from day one which let's be honest if you're looking at sales that's where we're going they're they're going to come to the table with certain expectations and if those expectations aren't met you will lose that member of staff so i think this is where hr and recruitment do intertwine you know the common misconception is we're one of the same i wouldn't offend cat by saying that um personally but you get clients Clients automatically assume HR recruitment is the same thing. It's not. No. Um, it's, you know, it, there's a, this, this is where at the start you have got to work together because the culture's got to be right, which is a HR thing, for then the organisation to go out. And again, 
gone are the days that you can put, I'm looking for this, this is what I want you to do, and this is what I'm going to pay you, and sit back and expect there to be a flood of candidates. So now you've got to get creative. So like Kat said, if a laptop, a phone, a car is provided, what spec are they? Because ridiculous as it sounds, it might just be that little thing that like flicks somebody's switch or turns them off you know i've got a team my business is completely android much to the disgust of a member of my team thank you <laughs> yeah. because they're apple and again there will be some people as ridiculous as it seems goes nah do you know what i'm apple i don't i'm not interested but likewise you've got to be honest with what you've got so it's all this kind of stuff that really needs to be pulled out now i think these are questions that i want to ask you kat because i am particularly interested in in the i think they're HR issues. Go on, tell me. Um, so I, I think nowadays people who are perhaps, you know, we're talking specifically about people recruiting their first member of staff. Quite a few people in that situation now will, will, will maybe not have an office and will be looking to recruit someone that's going to work remotely. And they'll be thinking yeah. about, right, we might get an office further down the line. For now, I'm going to look for someone that's going to work from home. Yes. Um, and that's quite different to where we were three or four years ago, where that was probably quite unusual. Very much. And um, imagine there's probably some quite different HR considerations that come with that, that people probably don't think about in terms of, you know, you do if you have an office, you do a health and safety, whatever you do, inspection and and make sure that everything works and stuff. If someone's working that way, it's their problem, isn't it? It's their house. Um, so what kind of stuff should people be thinking about and make sure that they don't gloss over or forget mm. if they're thinking, I'm going to recruit someone remotely so I don't need to worry about any of that stuff because that's their problem. Yeah, which in reality is not true. Mm. Uh, I, I expected that yeah. was going to be yeah. the <laughs> But um, I'm beginning to feel like I I know Steve quite well. (laughs) And I think Steve maybe thought that he could gloss over that slightly. That's going under the carpet with the rest of it, isn't it? Let's let's put Steve right. (laughs) Yes, let's put Steve right. So, I mean, first and foremost, you're right. There is a lot more now of either hybrid working, so a mixture of office base and home base, um, but also pure home working, which, yeah, is, is far more common, particularly since the COVID pandemic. And yeah, because someone's not working in your office space doesn't mean you can sort of you know turn your back and forget about them you are still required to make sure they've got a a proper place to work they've got a desk and a chair that's fit for the job they've got all the equipment that they need so you know it doesn't mean that because they're not sat in your office space that you don't have to do that stuff you do it's just that you do need to find more creative ways to do it whether you're going to go around to someone's house you're going to ask them to do it on a zoom call and go through a um, an assessment whatever you're going to do it doesn't give you the the chance to just forget about any of those things they do need to have a, a safe, relevant space to work to carry out their job. Okay. Um, job descriptions, yep. contracts, employment contracts. Someone that's been a one-man band for a while probably hasn't given themselves an employment contract. They've probably not written themselves a, a job spec or job description. Absolutely. So they're probably starting pretty much from scratch with stuff like that. Yes. Um, I'm not suggesting that Steve would again try and skip over that stuff, but how you know, how important is that? Is, is it Does everyone have to do it? What's the starting point? Is it something that's better for people to get someone else to do so outsource and bring someone in can can people write an employment contract themselves or just download a you know google it download a template whatever in total honesty if you could see lisa's face right now it yeah. would be, uh, <laughs> i'm smiling <laughs> 
telling God yeah. <laughs> inside, I'm going, no. Um, because ultimately, you know, people do download things from the internet, get it from a friend, whatever it is in terms of employment contracts. But I would never recommend that you do that because um, one size does not fit all. Yeah. Every business is different. The way that your business works will be different to the business next door and so on. So I would always recommend that you have a, a purpose written contract of employment that sets out all the terms that you need to have in there so that firstly, that employee knows exactly what that relationship is. And secondly, you know, you've met with the law because actually you do have an obligation yeah. to provide that document by day one of employment. Yeah. Um, and lots of business owners don't realise that, to be fair. But I would never recommend, unless you've got HR or employment law expertise, that you go out and try and write your own employment contract. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> on this to be one, perfectly honest, I think even if you have a third party, because you're in, you know, it's what we do, but I still get an external to write our contracts. Because yeah. it's, you're too close to it. And sometimes I think you... You can see the you can't see the pitfalls, and then all of a sudden something comes around, and you're like, "Oh, I didn't expect that." Right. So what we're saying is, I mean, there's 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 some things in business where you think there's a bit of a shortcut there, and maybe it's worth it. This is something where it's yeah. it's just not worth this is trying not to skimp and no, save. Absolutely and not. Like do it properly. All right, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. What about stuff like um, tax implications? What about stuff like pensions? Getting people set up. Um, it, it's again probably unlikely maybe people have been paying into their own private pension but they've not thought about kind of you know company pension schemes and stuff like that and of course that now uh, is is a much bigger deal over the last few years and will probably continue to be and actually maybe something even at the recruitment stage that it needs good thinking about because I think that is something that, that people look for isn't it is, mm -hmm. a, is a good pension scheme now. And I'm sure probably Lisa will agree that you know even now although auto enrolment is a thing you must provide an auto-enrolled pension it's amazing how many businesses still want to shout about the fact they offer a pension scheme they have to it's yeah. law, you know um, but yeah certainly in terms of a business owner factoring in the cost of obviously their own contributions into that scheme considering whether the person that they're bringing in will meet the criteria to need to be auto-enrolled in that scheme and also know what needs to happen if someone says I don't want to be in the scheme because they still have to put them in there even if they decide to come straight back out and these are all things that often business owners don't realise when they're doing this stuff for the first time. And again, going back to what I was saying about sort of the way you attract being completely different now, things like pensions are a question that we get asked and yep. that can make the difference between choosing between your job and somebody else's yep. because that somebody else's may offer 0.5 of a percent more contribution to their pension and that now that will be something nowadays that will swing it for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, Lisa, you mentioned earlier on about an assumption that Steve is past the point of outsourcing. And at the time I thought, ah, I want to come back to that because what I want to do is talk a little bit about alternatives and, you know, kind of take it on your first employee. Maybe people think, all right, I'm, I probably need to do that. But actually, there may be other things that are worth looking at. And I'd be interested in your perspective on whether these are good alternatives or bad alternatives. Outsourcing is one of them. The other is maybe just employing someone on a freelance basis, a couple of days a week, Um pick their own hours or whatever, just say, you know, I'll just ship this amount of work out to someone. The other, and, and Lisa, I think you'll have a good perspective on, on this, is actually seeing whether or not there's work that a VA could do. And maybe you, it's not the right solution to to employ someone first time. So I know I've thrown three things. <laughs> there. I know, racking it up and, in my and brain. And there, there may be other things. Questions. There may be other things that I'm not thinking of. So what what are your, um, you know, perceptions, and Nikki, you as well on this, to, to be fair, of, you know, alternatives, that, that maybe are worth looking at as part of this. And this is why I very sort of 
mindfully said we do everything people because you're right slice does va as well um and one of the things that we do from my own experience of recruiting is now in the nicest possible way every time somebody comes to us particularly when they are in steve's situation and go oh i need this generally like kat said i need an administrator we don't take that as gospel it's about scratching the surface and going right okay so the kind of things that you need to think about is right there right now you might be absolutely up to your eyes in it but what is it that's making you up to your eyes in it and is that a short-term thing are you in the middle of a project that in three weeks six months whatever it might be is going to end and then things will settle or is this an ongoing need because if it's not then you're going to hire somebody and then find yourself either scrambling around for work for them to do because you don't want to be paying them for nothing or having to let them go which let's be honest nobody wants to do yeah So, yes, there is a potential that VA can help. The freelance thing, it completely depends on the business, I think. Um, There are pros and cons for both of those situations. The freelance thing works better in some industries than it does in others. You know, yes, you've got that flexibility of, well, I don't need them this week, so I don't have to pay them. But then you've also got the problem of you don't employ them. And because of without stepping into the minefield that is IRR, 35 and all of that it's difficult to then be able to say i want you to do this because you don't employ them and if you are seen to be putting certain things like that on them there's a whole heap of hot water you could find yourself in so again you need to take advice on that and it depends very much on the role the organization the industry that you're in there isn't really a one-size-fits-all and and you're always up against that fact that if they are not if you haven't got if if you if you haven't got those guaranteed hours and tasks mm-hmm. which you know is how you get outside of your IR35 um then if they're busy on another project and you need something doing urgently you haven't got that person there to jump on what you need have you so you you're at the mercy of that process too well mm-hmm. look at um you know when covid hit look at the hospitality industry and the retail industry to be honest with you a lot of people there were on zero hour contracts Now, that worked for the employers and they were all clapping their hands because if it was quiet, they didn't need them, they weren't paying. Christmas, they ramped the hours up. Obviously, when hospitality died a death during COVID, fine, we don't have to pay anybody, we're fine. Everything ramps up when the sort of relaxation kicked in because all of a sudden we all wanted to get out and go for dinner and all of a sudden they couldn't find staff Mm. because those people that had been so used to working like that had found alternative employment and that's the risk you run. Yeah, because there was no security for those individuals. And again, you know, the ball shifted slightly. It's not a case of they're not commodities anymore. They're people and they've got lives and they've got bills to pay and everybody wants that element of security. There will be some people that will always want to do freelance, zero hours, however you want to dress it up because it works for them. But you've got to remember that that's why they're doing it because it works for them, not because it works for you. And you are going to run the risk of that one time that you really need them. They're not going to be there. Yeah. Okay. And I think from a VA perspective, I mean, certainly I have, I use VA services. In fact, I use Lisa's VA services. <laughs> but for me, it was, you know, I, I went on a, quite a journey with this over a course of a year because, you know, when we talked about this uh, in another episode, um, the first thing I did was look at all my processes and actually work out, you know, I had VAs doing admin jobs for me that could be automated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we looked at that and we automated those processes and then there was no one who needed to do that anymore. And then it was looking at the tasks that did need a human in them and looking at whether those tasks actually were, you know, they were actually adding value somewhere to the business. Because if you're going to spend money on, you know, on someone doing work for you, you've got to be sure that that is adding value somewhere. So it's either giving you time back to do something that is is, is earning you money um, or 
it's doing something that is earning you some money. And you, I think it's about, you know, if you, if you are getting to that point of busy, um, to actually stop, take a step back and stare at that before you just go, I need some admin support. And that is incredibly difficult to do because mm. when you're a business owner, you tend to find that you're stuck right in the middle of it. And that's something that we do with 99% uh, 99% of our clients that come on, particularly on the VA route, is that we'll sit down and go, right, go away, document a week for us. Because we can have a look at that and go, okay, that's a short-term thing. It just needs doing, but it's not going to be a repeat thing. This is something that you can continue doing. This can be automated, right? This needs to stay in, but you don't want to do it. So, and it'll very clearly indicate to you whether VA is right. I would say the tipping point and the difference between VA and then stepping into recruitment is if there is a regular, say, 16 hours a week worth of work there that you can't do, don't want to do, because then you are stepping into the realms of, okay, you've got a bona fide part-time vacancy there. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'd say that's what we use as a general rule of thumb. It, it makes sense that, yeah. I thought you could refer to 99.7% of clients. I just thought, that's very exact. <laughs> amazing no. that you've done that level of I research. Have. Yes, we've done it. that level of analytics. How flattering that you would do that for me. Um, what what haven't we thought about then? Because we've we've talked about quite a few things so far in this episode already. I'm guessing there's probably things that we've not even thought of and not even touched on. One of my questions was probably to Kat, actually, which was, um, you know, we've got to the point where we're taking this person on and we've done yep. all this other stuff. How much documentation as a minimum is required you know do you need a staff handbook do you need a whole suite of policies you know how okay. much documentation is required because i'm assuming yes. there is a reasonable amount yeah and that's that's a question that gets asked a lot to be fair what must what must i do what must i do with a time scale on it and what can i choose to do when i feel the time is right and i guess we've already touched on the contract of employment that's a must by day one that's a non-negotiable the handbook to be fair, is is something that can come later. But I guess I find there's two camps of business owner. The one that says, I just want to get everything done up front so I know what everything is and how it should work so I get it clear in my head so that I can then implement it, which is what the handbook kind of does in the process of creating it. And then you get the business owner that says, I want to do the bare minimum. The contract is fine for now. That's my legal, my legal tick box. And then the handbook I'm going to add on much later either's fine personally i think if you can get everything done up front it makes sense because you go on that learning journey while you're putting the handbook together as well as you actually put something out to your new employee and later ones that is actually um, setting out all of your working procedures you know what they are they know what they are it's about now just consistently applying them so it helps you not land yourself in hot water by maybe doing things that don't comply with the law once that person starts because mm. I, I suppose in a lot of ways the handbook also helps to kind of help you help your new hire understand your company culture and what's expected Absolutely. of you and how you behave and you know there's a lot about that isn't there and I think yeah. if you're a new person in particularly in a small business because you know if you're if you're a new hire in a small business you tend to be a little bit of a dog's body anyway because you know you you will have a job but you know when you're in a small business you tend to have to do a bit of everything sometimes yeah. because it's all hands to the pump when you know something big's happening isn't it so under having an understanding early on about how things work is quite important actually mm. i think you just hit the nail on the head there the big word and the one thing that i bang on about all the time is culture um i use my mum as an example of this my mum was an absolutely awesome pa i mean her typing speed and level of accuracy was just out of this world but if I had, say, I don't know, an MD of a digital marketing firm come forward and say, right, I need a PA, 
yeah, on paper, and this is where it goes back to looking at the tech that's come into the recruitment industry, mum would come out as a suitable candidate because she can hit all the points that they technically want. However, my mother, bless her, has not got a clue between the difference of Facebook and TikTok. I mean, as far as she's concerned, TikTok is something a watch does. That's it. So that world would make no sense to her. Whereas if I had the practice manager of an accountancy firm or a law firm, that's more my mum's world. So even though the roles might look exactly the same, the language the individuals are talking within that particular company, the stuff they're dealing with day to day, that's got to be part of it. Because again, they could be the best person in the world technically, but if they don't feel comfortable, and let's be honest, we all spend the majority of our time at work, they don't feel comfortable there, you're going to lose them. You can have all the policies and procedures and everything absolutely nailed on, but ultimately if it's not their tribe, and they're not working with the people Mm. they should be working with in the world they should be living in it's not going to stick no no it's it's about there is a big element of fitting in which is which is something that I always talk to people about when they're actually looking for a job I always say to people you need to interview people as much as they interview you 100% it's so important it's It's not you going in and against the firing squad it's for you to go in and make sure that this is the right job for you because recruitment's not a cheap process it's not Mm. and and, and all the work you're going to do to settle that HR stuff up it's not it's not you know a small figure and if you're going to do this you need to get it right don't you because it's it's, otherwise it's a very expensive process I can remember my first ever hire it was when I was employed I was employing um, I was hiring a branch manager for the recruitment firm that I was working with and I went to my area manager and said right I've found her so she was like brilliant can you send me her CV I was like nope And I just heard this death silence on the end of the phone. And she was like, "Uh, why? Why Yeah. And I was like, because you will look at her on paper and think I've lost my mind. So she'd been a porter at Barnsley Hospital. She'd worked in retail. She'd done nothing administrative whatsoever. But I was like, Elisa, I can teach her that. I can show her how to do that. But her as an individual would slot into our team beautifully and she would have complimented everything. And she was such a lovely little girl. That sounds awful. I can't really say that, but she was. Um, she And she just needed a start and she needed a jump. And I had faith in myself that I could teach her the technical stuff that she needed to know. You can't teach somebody to fit in. Yeah. And I knew the fitting in was nailed on. That wouldn't be a problem. Mm. Um, and we hired her. And ironically enough, fast forward a few years, she's now branch manager. Wow. Yeah. So it just goes to show. You've got the touch. I think I think a lot of it's gut. Absolutely. Gut in that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, following on from the gut comment, I think some of the things that I talk to people about when they're thinking about recruiting and they are a small business, and you probably hear this, Lisa, like I do, I'm a small business. What can I offer compared to this massive organisation? They can offer so much more than I can. And I think more than ever now, the small business can offer just as much, but in a very different way, can't If not they? more. Yeah. And there are flexibility. There are some people now that have got so used to just being a number on the payroll yeah. and don't like that, mm. that actually the concept of being an integral part in a very small machine is a lot more attractive yeah. than being a number on a thousand strong payroll register yeah definitely and that comes down to personality a bit I think because yeah. I know I mean from my own experience I left university I didn't I didn't I didn't want to go down the corporate route like everyone I knew was and I ended up working in small marketing agencies and the great thing about that is that I learned a shed load more in that environment because I was around everybody I was in I had my fingers in everything I got to watch and learn and and practice stuff that they were just going from the 
department to department to department learning their little pigeonhole stuff and some mm-hmm. people want to do that they want to be in the corporate machine and that makes them happy but actually small businesses can offer so much more in terms of experience over a smaller period of time that actually you go away with a much wider uh you know offering and even if you don't stay with the small business for that long and you move on again you know it's still a win-win because you've had somebody who's open-minded enough to kind of jump in and do what needs doing um but they've also been you know rewarded with all this extra experience you know that they can take they can move on with their career and i think that i started at a small independent um in sheffield and she's stood the test of time margaret hayward from a for appointments bless her uh she's still going strong now but she taught me everything i know and she went and she was working for all the high streets and she'd worked for the adecos and the blue arrows of this world and she then decided that right i'm going to take all the best bits from those big corporates and i'm going to set up and that like I say, what she's taught me is kind of what we still to this day stand very, very close to. And it's the stuff that's beyond the everyday treadmill that is seen as recruitment. Um, And again, the training that I got was in an independent. Yes, I went on to work in corporates and the big machines and I learned some valuable stuff there as well. But the very foundation of my training was with a small business and I wouldn't have had it any other way. So I think it's fair to say then Steve needs to have that kind of attitude a little bit as a small business. He's got, he can offer a lot. He's got to be open to teaching. He's got to be open to, you know, sharing the knowledge and, and giving you know they're they're new hire a lot of opportunity but actually for the right person that is much more exciting than you know whether he's got an espresso in the staff room and it, or like you say if it doesn't float their boat that's not your candidate Absolutely. no yeah i've got one more question um which is i think everything we've talked about has been really really good is is there something that people tend to forget is 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 there like a little hidden element to taking on your first employee that everyone always just doesn't really consider and the answer to this could be no it could be I you think, know what we think I think we've talked yeah. about everything um but but you know just for the sake of being thorough it would be interesting to know if either of you got any thoughts on that just one that springs to mind for me um, is touching again on the the things small businesses can offer that maybe they don't see as being great things to shout about, if you want to use that term. So things that small businesses do like buy lunch or, you know, allow people to have more flexibility on when they start and end work to fit in with family life. Things like that, that, you know, sometimes can be far more rigid in a, a corporate environment. In the smaller businesses, I think sometimes they forget to shout about the really great things that maybe seem quite small and insignificant on the surface, but may mean a whole lot mm. to people underneath. That's interesting. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And, yeah. And again, I think it depends who you're talking to, because if you are speaking to somebody that's, say, I don't know, a returner, so someone that maybe have been off on mat leave, worked in the corporate machine, and all of a sudden that candidate sat in front of Steve, it might just be that it's by Steve saying, you know, as long as your work gets done, I'm not necessarily needing you to be here nine to five if we need to flex your hours out. And to somebody that's returning to work who may want to do the school run, that is going to be music to their ears. And that is going to be something that a corporate can't match. Mm. Um so it's about knowing 
Yeah. It's not a one size fits all conversation. And I think that's something small businesses can offer. It, you know, if you treat people like adults, they act like adults. Yeah. So, you know, I think if you, you've got this kind of deal that's like, this is the work you have to get done. If you, you if you do some of it at 10 o'clock at night, because that's when you're most productive, that's okay. And um, on, and if you need to take a duvet day because you're just exhausted, then take it. But you know, there are certain seasonal parts of our year where it's totally, all hands to the pump we will work long hours and you cannot go on holiday and as long as you are there for that we're good you can have the duvet day you can you know go see us play and I think that's that's quite exciting for a lot of people like particularly people returning to work because it's so hard being a, a, a woman going back to work because it's such a difficult choice oh we're stepping into a whole other podcast here <laughs> yeah. about flexible yeah. working and everything yeah. else but I completely agree and yeah. there are countless studies where people have got rid of holiday allowance and said take what you need and then they've taken less than they would have done had they had that definitive no there's all like i say it's a whole different podcast for another day that one but um yeah there are certain things and you're right and cats just made me think about it and i don't shout about it but the girls will never pay for dinner when we're all together it's always me that says and i'm not saying this begrudgingly but it's like it's always me that says right i'm stopping at starbucks who wants anything and they're just things that i do as second nature that you're right i never had that when i started at work or when i worked for the big guys you never got that so yeah it's things like that, that oh, you need to pull can up. i come and uh, can steve come and work <laughs> to come and work with me James come and play I know it's Steve metaphorically so um, at the end of all of our uh, sessions we've been asking our guests to set some homework for our listeners from probably it's quite good to do it from both angles so if we are Steve and we want to go away and actually have a go work actually doing this ourselves what would you say are the first practical things that steve can do in order to think about taking on this first employee um pen paper and list writing so what do you need that individual to do what sets you apart from the person down the road that on the surface does exactly the same as you and why would anybody want to come and work with you because out of that, you can build your job description, you can build your advert. But if you've got those three lists, that's your starting point. That's a really good starting point. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And then so and then following on from that, what would you say it needs to think about from an HR perspective? I think, to be honest, the other thing that sort of pairs up nicely with that is you're going to bring somebody in, it's your first someone. How exactly are you feeling about your own skills, knowledge and ability to actually line manage that person, be their leader, be their manager once they actually arrive in your business Mm. and making sure that, you know, you've got all the tools that you need to be able to deal with that um, on a personal level. You may or may not have been a manager before of someone, who knows, but that's quite important, I think. Yeah, and, and, and even more so if they're working virtually. Because there's a big yep. communicational thing there, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that that's actually really important um, because you know even if you're a really good leader, that doesn't necessarily make you a good manager and vice versa. Actually. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Again, whole different whole podcast. Different time. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, um, that's been really useful. Uh, I think Steve's got plenty to get on with there, and I think you know it gives people a really good insight into at least starting to think about that process. We've obviously given people a lot of stuff to think about there. There's some useful kind of, you know, homework ideas for people as well. If Steve's a bit lazy and thinks, do you know what? I can't, I don't want to do this myself. I, I, I like, I like the, uh, I like the sound of these two. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get these two to, to, to do this for me. Um, how can people find out a bit more about what you do or maybe get in touch with you both? 
Um, okay, so I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit, so you could look for Lisa Betsworth, or if you want to contact me directly, it's lisa at slicesolutions.co.uk. Lovely. And for me, um, so I can be found again on LinkedIn uh, under Cat Derbyshire and under Black Cat HR, and also on my website, which is blackcat-hr.com, where there's some quite handy resources on there actually, where you can find more information specifically about taking on your first employee. So by all means, go and have a look on there and uh, pull off the guide. Amazing. Excellent. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. We've come up with about 18 different ideas for follow-up podcasts, so we're going to get those booked in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so while, while we do that, we'll, uh, we'll draw this one to a conclusion. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Class dismissed. Well, thank you for your attendance today. I hope you've learned something new. Every day is a business school day after all. If you'd like to contact us or perhaps put yourself forward as a future guest, find either Nikki or myself on LinkedIn, or you can drop us a line using the links in the show notes. Right, school is out. Please wait for the bell before you leave.